You're listening to Almost Diplomatic, DC-based podcast that discusses geopolitics, national security, a whole bunch of nonsense over beers. And as a disclaimer, the views and comments made during this episode are those of the participants and do not represent any entity that they volunteer with or are employed by. Enjoy! Hey everybody, welcome to Almost Diplomatic. I'm your host, Ryan Young, and joining me today is... Lex Cardone. And Robert Thomas. And we're recording on June 15th, 2020. So we're in, um, I don't even know, week anymore of quarantine. And we're still using Skype. So part of the audio issues. And one of our one of our people has fled the East Coast. Cali Swag, bro. <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 5 o'clock. It's, it's after 5 in the East Coast, so technically I'm okay drinking right that's 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 acceptable i mean it's quarantine it's quarantine there this is pandemic there are no rules that's true anarchy especially not around alcohol yeah especially in Chaz. are we in Chaz now is that it everywhere <laughs> everywhere and nowhere is Chaz. we're all anonymous yes. uh. <laughs> christ but anyway uh, speaking of that kind of stuff, uh, we're doing the Hong Kong protests, the new Hong Kong protests. Um, if you want to hear about us talking about the extradition law that went on last year, we did an episode actually in uh, July 2019. It's called it's episode 42, Hong Kong protests. Spoiler alert: nothing has calmed down since then, even with the corona. Yeah, COVID, COVID kind of like slowed slowed the slowed the bleeding, I guess, but now it's, it's kicking back up. So they are back out on the streets now. Is that confirmed? Yeah. But before we get to that, what is everybody drinking? Who wants to go first? Uh, I can start it off. I've got a um, Dogfish Head Sequench Ale Session Sour. It's quite a mouthful. But it's described as blissfully brewed with lime juice, lime peel, black limes, and sea salt. It is damn good. Although it tastes like a Jimmy Buffett concert. I, I'm Super kind of concerned. Super- by that description, I'm <laughs> not really sure I want to know what it, what that it's would just, taste like. No, it's actually it tastes really like freedom. Good. Sour. It's super beachy. It's good hot weather. Like I, this is very slammable. In other words, <laughs> right. Uh, I am drinking an Australian Shiraz. I needed something a a little more to the point than beer tonight. Fair. Yeah. And I'm uh I'm drinking Addy Bow. Shocker. Yeah, I got more. And for those of you who don't see the video, uh, be assured he is wearing a Natty Bow shirt <laughs> as well. Yeah, gotta represent. And it's awesome. It's one of our five stars on Untapped. Um. <laughs> but anywho, so Hong Kong. Rob, do you want to lead off? Uh, when what the hell is going on right now? Sure. So, I mean, realistically, I suspect that if you're listening to a podcast about geopolitics and related issues of any kind, you probably and have nonsense. at least some, well, especially nonsense. Uh, but realistically, you probably have some idea of the fact that Hong Kong has sort of a unique status um, relative to the rest of China. And that's under threat right now. So, again, yeah, well, 
<laughs> more, more substantially, uh, arguably than it than it has been before. I mean, Hong Kong was was for many many years um, a colony under British control, and the terms of the handover uh, back in the '90s of Hong Kong back to the People's Republic of China included an agreement about Hong Kong maintaining special legal and administrative status for a period of about 50 years after that. And that's that's not just sort of a, a minor detail around the edges. The differences between their legal and economic systems are pretty substantial. Hong Kong has separate currency, separate trade agreements with other other countries in the world um, a totally separate legal system based on British common law much like ours here in the US uh, that's fundamentally distinct from the Chinese legal and political system even though it falls under uh, the PRC for purposes of broader foreign relations uh, national security and, and sort of overall buck stops here uh, layer of top level policy but that's been increasingly eroding uh, we've still got a couple decades before that special status was no longer guaranteed and yet the last several years the people's republic's government has been chipping away at that uh, when we last talked about this the the big focus was on an extradition law um, that would allow people to be extradited from uh, from Hong Kong into mainland China for criminal prosecution under certain circumstances that a lot of a lot of folks in Hong Kong were skeptical of because they no longer trusted the independence of their own political and legal officials um, in prioritizing the rights of Hong Kongers over what the party wanted uh, and now layered on top of that um, is a a new resolution from the basically rubber stamp legislature of the prc for a national security law uh, allowing a, another layer of mainland control over hong kong affairs uh, arresting and prosecuting people for things deemed to contribute to uh, national security threats, subversion, secession, etc. The details of that are unclear, but it's sparked off a pretty big firestorm domestically and internationally. Yeah, and I have like kind of like, so they've not like you said like they haven't really put a document saying here's the law and here's what it's going to be. But the the general guidelines is banning secession, so no more no independent Hong Kong, subversion of state power, foreign interference, and terrorism. Which is basically like everybody who's protesting is fits all these ba- fits in all these categories, and would allow their their security forces to operate in Hong Kong, which they haven't been allowed to do before. As they to, in the same way that they offer operate in mainland China. Yeah. Or are, are there still any like are there any distinctions at all in terms so, of how the security operates? So I mean, right now Hong Kong has its own its own police, uh, yeah. its own its own law enforcement apparatus entirely. Uh, So law enforcement and security officials from the mainland don't have operational jurisdiction 
in Hong Kong the way that they do in the mainland right now. Whereas at least the, the notion is that this uh, law that's supposed to be moving forward would allow placement of mainland law enforcement and security officials in some capacity in China with authority, or excuse me, in Hong Kong with authority to make arrests, etc. right there in Hong Kong, as opposed to them having to go through any sort of negotiation with the Hong Kong authorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's in 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 the protests have basically re kicked the re uh, restarted the protest essentially because they had um taken a break really since cause when COVID emerged uh, earlier this year. You know, like they're like, okay, we're gonna kind of confine a little bit, but now it's back up. Now I would say I would say it's full strength, yeah, but it's still just like there's still people out there protesting every day and and police uh, fighting them every day. Yeah, so I'm. I mean, it's it's been a pretty significant contributor to tensions uh, there on the ground in Hong Kong, um, because I mean, realistically, this this seems like another step that could lead to Hong Kong's special legal status and the legal rights and protections enjoyed by Hong Kongers. Um, even if they remain on paper for another couple of decades uh, in practice, does that all basically just melt away in a much shorter period of time with, with these growing layers of mainland kind of thumb on the scale level control? Yeah. And that would kind of, I mean, that would hurt a lot of different parties and a lot of different actors, but obviously none more than Hong Kong itself. It's, one of the most developed countries on earth. It's super high levels of almost, to- I guess, total literacy. You already got um, yourself blacklisted by the PRC. Oh, did I? <laughs> you referred to it as a country. Darn. Um, Take that, yeah, Winnie the Pooh. Special Boo. autonomous region. My, my mistake. Um, Winnie the Pooh. Um, Com- comrade Winnie. Comrade Winnie. Sorry. Yeah, and they, they kind of position themselves. I mean, it's always been a trading hub but going back since the first British settlement. Um, but in the modern era, it's become a bridge between um, the massive um, untapped market of uh, mainland China, or formerly untapped market of mainland China, and the rest of the world. Because countries can trade with Hong Kong because they have certain, they have a separate juris- uh, legal jurisdiction, they have um, more liberal um, economies in play, they can trade easier with uh, foreign countries can trade easier with Hong Kong, which then can do business with China. And it's it's a very convenient arrangement for um, for mainland China as well. Um, however, it doesn't really jive uh, with the uh, Xi Jinping um, uh, sort of one China nationalism that's been emerging since his um, accession. So I don't want to put too much on the personal priorities of Xi Jinping, though. I, I mean, I think there are deeper reasons why why this is happening now. Um, and I, and I, I mentioned earlier the fact that this is another layer on a couple of years of increasing uh, intervention from the mainland, followed by massive public protest and and 
civil unrest in Hong Kong, followed by more intervention from the mainland in, in sort of a vicious cycle, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, so so clearly it's it's in response to that in a narrower way, but in a broader way, it, it's incredibly important, I think, to keep in mind how much the the core thinking of the entire PRC governing elite is focused on territorial integrity. I mean, this is such a huge issue for them, particularly in the, I mean, in the nearer historical context from the period of colonialism, where places like Hong Kong were uh, put under, under foreign control and there was a lot of foreign intervention in, in Chinese affairs. But even further back than that, I mean, that there are proverbs in China about the the cycles of division and unification of the empire, um, and there's a, there's a really strong consciousness of the fact that it's not a given that China as as we know it today will remain whole. So I think we should see the attitude towards Hong Kong is bound up with. Um, the attitude towards any number of other parts of to, of today's boundaries of China that there are concerns about separatism in. And in any of those cases, basically any level of uh, lobbying for autonomy seems to spark concerns about separatism. So you have things like the concentration camps in Xinjiang that people keep forgetting to talk about these days. Or you have even more ridiculous things like the fact that uh, the PRC government has aggressively stated that the Dalai Lama does not get to decide whether he will be reincarnated or not um, <laughs> because they are bold, bold statement. They, cotton, see how they have jurisdiction off. over. They have jurisdiction over heavenly matters. So, uh, not surprising. <laughs> But but yeah, I mean, in that sense, all of this is sort of part of the same the same pattern and preoccupation here. Like anything that that smacks at all of any possible challenge to territorial integrity gets a really, really aggressive of of concern and response from the PRC authorities. And Hong Kong, Hong Kong is just part of that pattern. They're definitely, they're definitely the most aggressive about it with all the protests that are, that are allowed to protest too. I mean, there's other like, territories like Macau is kind of just like the gambling hub, but they're no one's. They're not really doing much to kind of, you know, be independent or anything. They kind of just toe to, to the party line and go with it. Rather than what we've seen in Hong Kong since forever. <laughs> well, I mean, Hong Kong has has this history of generations worth of exposure to the British common law tradition where you have things like clear protections of individual rights, judicial independence, that sort of thing. Um, And does that mean that the British were always um, fair and honest in their dealings with, with locals when they controlled Hong Kong? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, But, but that does mean that, that they are used to a kind of system that provides a level of personal freedom and security and and a level of kind of opportunity to 
to push back against authority figures if they try to screw you over. Um, that is that is not necessarily true in the mainland's legal system. And so, yeah, I mean, funny funny how having exposure to that that sort of freedom and and dignity and protection can make people resistant to losing it. A sweet taste of democracy. But yeah, I mean, because I think that even they they've tried. I mean, how many times has China tried to like the main as the PRC tried to like dominate Hong Kong? I think it was like 2003. It was like a series of like similar kind of laws they're trying to push through, but the mass protest kind of stopped it too. And then we had the extradition law last year, which was a couple months and then um, got withdrawn in October. So it it was kind of it was relatively short lived, but there was you know a series of months where like much of the population kind of rose up. Um, Huge against proportion, it. yeah. I mean, it's seven million people in that that city state, I guess you'd want to call it, and and you know, what I don't know, half maybe, who knows how many people are, are because there's a pro democracy and there's pro Beijing uh, crowds that, and the police have kind of been on their the pro Beijing side, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, the part of the driver of the concerns then and now is has been the extent to which the government officials of Hong Kong who are not popularly elected um, in in the way that they are here in the U.S. or in Britain. Um, that So great choices they, they made recently. Well. <laughs> yeah, and that's where the protests in 2014 came from, right? The um, uh, sort of narrowing the list of approved candidates that can run for office um, that have to be sort of signed off on by the CCP. Yeah, that that creeping authoritarianism. Right. But but yeah, I mean the concern though is that the governing officials themselves are not operating in the interests of the people of Hong Kong. They are more or less doing the bidding of the head honchos in in Beijing mm-hmm. and what they're saying to do. So that's why something like an extradition law that uh, nominally still leaves it leaves authority to the Hong Kong government to make decisions about whether or not to agree to extradite uh, in certain cases um, doesn't sound like much of a protection to a lot of people in Hong Kong if they think those officials will rubber stamp whatever the ones in Beijing want. Yeah, I mean that's definitely that was definitely the, I guess the main concern and this. This this national security law is like the direct reaction to that almost I think because it just you know this is against the protests to basically make them all they charge them with terrorism or subversion or you know, you know foreign influence all that kind of stuff so it's just like everything they say and like they've been saying for the entire time of the protests is what they're trying to push for through and it's if it goes through it'll be very detrimental to people who have been protesting because you know they might end up being sent to mainland China or just in prison for long, longer sentences than deemed but it's like I don't know how much of the population they can jail, <laughs> but I mean, I don't want to underestimate. I don't want to underestimate their their how, how willing far they're willing yeah. to go. Yeah, I mean, you look at what's happening in um, to the Uyghurs, but I guess in such a, I mean, comparing a vast, pretty, um, you know, reasonably sparsely populated compared to Hong Kong, um, that would be much tougher for them. In, uh, in the case of Hong Kong, but definitely not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, 
you didn't think that you could have a million people in concentration camps and that news would be suppressed um, in this day and age. But. Well, of course, there, there are a lot of important differences, though. Um, first and foremost being that the, the Uyghurs and the, the rest of the population of Xinjiang are relatively less connected um, in terms of travel, communications, etc., uh, to the rest of the world and especially the West. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hong Kong is deeply integrated yeah. into into global trade, global finance, global travel, global dip- sort of diplomatic and cultural exchange in, in important ways. And that's that's a very different sort of game. Right. Uh, and, and I mean that that's huge for so many reasons. I mean Hong Kong has has been in a lot of ways a, a financial and economic bridge between the mainland and particularly the uh, industrialized democracies of the world um, in large part because their separate currency economic system and their common law legal system mean that foreign companies doing business in Hong Kong feel like it's a well have traditionally felt like it's a a much safer bet it's much more like doing business uh, in another industrialized democracy in terms of the legal protections you and your business have um, your ability to accurately assess currency currency risks and any number of factors so it's it's sort of a safer known quantity that gives you a, a way to get engaged in the in the broader Chinese market without having quite the same level of exposure of doing all of your business directly on the on the mainland in its legal and economic system. And so you have totally different trade relationships uh, there. I mean, there's a completely different tariff regime on both ends between, Hong Kong in the U.S. than there is yeah. between mainland China and the U.S. Yeah. There, there are separate bilateral free trade agreements that Hong Kong has with other countries, including Australia, for example, uh, which is, yeah. is a more recent one. So if people no longer have confidence that Hong Kong's economic and legal system are going to be meaningfully independent, how how important is that special status anymore? What does that do for, for Hong Kong uh, and people's investment and engagement with Hong Kong? And what does it do for, uh, for mainland China in terms of whether people decide that they're willing to still gamble on a higher level of exposure in mainland China or whether they say, yeah, we'll put our money elsewhere. Uh, particularly in the context of the trade war and and everything going on in recent years trade war and trade and uh, trade is obviously the elephant in the room based on hong kong's status as an international trading hub but even smaller seemingly smaller um, issues are coming up that could have a big impact like um access of western airlines um and the regulations regarding um flying through hong kong territory could completely 
have to be re reworked. Um, law enforcement cooperation um, regarding things like uh, human trafficking, drug smuggling, um, that those arrangements would be potentially totally um, complicated and interrupted. So you have a lot of, um, there's a lot of interest in maintaining the status quo for the global community, but there seems to be a disjoint series of actions. You have, you know, the U.S. saying we're going to, um, you know, downgrade, uh, I, I guess a couple years ago, Congress passed legislation saying that um, they need, there needs to be a yearly review of Hong Kong status in order to maintain this sort of special trading relationship with the U.S. Um, Britain has talked about offering um, visas to Hong Kong citizens, um, which could lead to a brain drain. Um, Australia, and Taiwan has talked about about accepting refugees. Taiwan is, yeah, so you're, you're talking about um, something that probably wouldn't change Chinese policy at this point, mainland Chinese policy at this point, um, but it would be a huge egg on their face diplomatically and in, in, the, in, the, in the media environment that we live in. I mean, the, let's talk about that real quick, though, like the potential mass exodus of Hong Kongers, because like, um, one for Britain, they, they said they could take maybe 3 million people, which is They've been they've been pretty vague of what they yeah. want to do. There's they have apparently how it breaks out. There's have three three hundred fifty thousand people hold BNOs, which are uh, British British nationals overseas passports. Which essentially, you hold a British passport, you get consular assistance and protection from UK diplomatic posts, but uh, you're subject to immigration controls. You don't have any automatic rights right to live or work mm -hmm. in UK, and you're not considered a UK national in the EU. So it's basically. It's a very weak passport, but they're saying they're going to potentially let people. Yeah, um, and it's early. It's been yeah. relatively diplomatic. I mean, diplomacy moves often like the ice ages and glaciers a little bit. So it um, there's still there's still time to develop. I mean, obviously, politicians often don't come out with coherent policies immediately after events occur. So Or coherent sentences in many or, cases. We're not, we're, not, we're not naming names, guys. We're not naming no names, names. But, no but names. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the UK. It's, 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 it kind of put like, you know, the ball in China's court. Like, hey, look, half the population of Hong Kong, what do you say to that? And they're just like, you can't do that. They're also like, now they're calling things against the UK for like interference and such. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's been a there's been a, a little bit of a shit fit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's in the best way of, to put it. In terms a of little threats bit, of yeah. withdrawing investment and all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing... Uh, but Australia also has a really important relationship with China, um, financial trading relationship. And they went ahead, along with many other uh, ASEAN countries, um, to, sign, they, to sort of prop up this... Um, I'm not sure the exact specifics of the deal, but they sort of a encouraging continued the continued status quo of Hong Kong autonomy. Um, so they're they're not looking to pull out immediately yet, but who knows what, what that's gonna do. But I, I probably not the Go ahead. I mean the, the the actual Hong Kongers themselves are the ones who are sort of caught in the middle. I've seen a couple interview uh, snippets from uh, protesters and activists on the ground and uh, one of them was asked specifically about uh, the UK's talk of special immigration status 
for for Hong Kongers, and this guy basically said, "Yeah, we're not looking for an exit ramp. We're looking to defend our freedoms here." Right. What the hell pressure is Boris Johnson going to be putting on the Chinese government about this? We're not looking for our escape. We're looking for what are you going to do to put pressure on them to quit this crap? And can we point out real quick that it's really funny that Britain offered that many kind of people, like 3 million people or whatever, when they've had a huge immigration, like anti-immigration views the last couple of years, a.k.a. Brexit. That's kind of just like, oh, well, that's... But it's, they used to be part of the empire. Are, are you expecting consistency from politicians, yeah. policymakers, or frankly, the human species? Yeah, well, especially the Brits. Bugger off, Johnny Foreigner. <laughs> God, it's just, it's, it's, But also, please come because we like being reminded of when we own the world. <laughs> we, got over good food. Okay. we got all of our good food from other places. Yeah, that's why they conquered India. Dang. I mean, it has to be one of the reasons. Like, have you ever had British cooking? Exactly. <laughs> all, all the great British restaurants that are, are in the area, yeah. don't you know? <laughs> Bangers and mash. Garbage. But anyway. I've also I'm seen surprised stuff... we didn't get more um, feisty commentary from Ryan on that particular topic, given his not-at-all-veiled feelings. Well, his... The thing is, Irish food can't really say shit to British food. It's <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> oh, come Lord, on. it's nest poked. Yeah. <laughs> Stir that pot. Have you not have you, you not really been distinguished like genuine Irish food from genuine like genuine British food? It's it's all crap. You're crap. Nice one. <laughs> oh, witty retort. <laughs> yeah. I got nothing. No, it's like what shite. I'm, I'm, I'm Shep- glad Shepherd's that we've pie. taken this to a really elevated level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Four Quarts is good food. <laughs> four, four, four Quarts at a pub in Arlington. Shout out, by the way. We love you guys. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to get back. <laughs> it serves buffalo wings. They're really good wings, though. Great. Shepherd's Pie is very good. authentic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are all fair points, but I'm just going to ignore and pretend it's not true. Um, <laughs> you, would, you should run for president. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm I'm qualified, but just policy. this. this. The, uh, Lex, no, he already. Fuck you! Young, you don't do what I won't do. What you tell me, policy. Young like, 2020. You know you know to vote for. It could be worse. <laughs> That'd be my 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 um uh, my tagline. It could. Lex, be worse. he's already engaged in far too much honesty in the course of this one podcast recording that's, that's to be a viable elected official. That's a really good point, Robert. <laughs> I know. Got to call a spade a spade. Uh, yeah. Got to bullshit your way to the top. Anyway. I mean, and you. I mean, I guess so. Womp womp. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. What's been interesting is like Taiwan's like willing to take a bunch of people in too from Hong Kong. That's been like a that's been a big fuck you to, to, to PRC. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's another that's another interesting layer of this yeah. in general. I mean. <clears throat> For years, the whole the whole one country, two systems concept for Hong Kong's status within China has been sort of the the key reference point for discussion about what reintegration of of Taiwan and the mainland 
could look like. And pretty sure that Pooch has been thoroughly screwed on that one. Yeah. yeah You're Taiwan's seeing Taiwan <laughs> elections are pretty, I mean, because 10 years ago or whatever. Taiwan the, has elections. The Guomindong, like yeah, the Guomindong was um, consistently winning based on this approach of cozying up to China and improving relations and eventually maybe kind of hush-hush, but building a, a one-country-two-systems-like approach um, like there currently exists probably not much longer in Hong Kong. Um, now in Taiwan, you're seeing the opposition repeatedly win elections, especially even in areas, even in down local um, local districts um, that were solid, you know, Chiang Kai-shek heartland um, until very recently. So that it, it, they've that um, what's been going on in Hong Kong is directly impacted uh, domestic politics in Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's essentially, it's, you know, like you said, you know, point out, point out, it's just like, oh, Taiwan's like, oh, this is how it could go if we rejoined you. Oh, I'm, uh, we're good. Yeah, let's, uh, let's hold up on that one, guys. <laughs> yeah, Come I and mean, get us. I mean, sentiment in favor of reunification has been increasingly tricky <laughs> to, uh, to, to navigate and pitch, particularly with growing proportion of, of the population of Taiwan having a pretty far remove from the prior to the Civil War. The glory so, days. Yeah. I mean, now that now that there is a combination of declining nostalgia, um, basically, with, huh. So this is how they treat individual rights and local autonomy. Interesting sales pitch. Very. Yeah, that's why it does. It, it does seem kind of weird for China, like to push Hong Kong that that much in that way, because it's just like, well, you're telling they're basically making that yeah. Taiwan situation not exist anymore. They've been yeah, they've been working so long at sort of encouraging a peaceful, um, you know, reintegration of Taiwan or integration, whatever you want to call it. Um, and now there's really, <laughs> their options are much more limited. When I think it goes to show that the sort of general opinion among senior leadership uh, in, in the Chinese Communist Party is that they are, they are more concerned about separatism and domestic challenges to party authority than they are about winning over hearts and minds. So, like, they clearly are well aware of how this looks to people in Taiwan and, and elsewhere, but they are concerned enough to sacrifice all of the soft power work that they've been trying to do on that front over this, which is a really interesting uh, development, frankly. Imagine being that guy who's worked on it for years and just be like, God, my life's damn work. It. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people in this country could probably be saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 2020, baby. Yeah. Dumpster fire in year form. Let's get this asteroid coming at us already and just end this shit. Oh, Ryan, you're underestimating 
how many they, time vortices we're going to have to relive 2020 through before we ever see the end of anything. That's what makes you think. Maybe I died like six months ago. This is just like purgatory so, or hell. So <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, he's dead the whole time. This is still season one of Lost. We have several more seasons of incomprehensible bullshit to go. Yeah. Um, I read an article recently that um, remember the 2012 Mayan apocalypse thing? Yeah. They're like, oh, maybe we've misread it, and it's actually supposed to happen next week. <laughs> like, so, never know. To be fair, there is one of those articles, like, every two or three years. Are you saying everything on the internet isn't true and verified? I'm saying you watch if you that. just spread your bets on when the world is going to end broadly enough, eventually you might call it right. I mean, that's how the Pat Robertsons of the world keep predicting the end of the world, right? I'm, I'm calling 2021. Okay. January 2021. I'm going to even, yeah, that's when it ends. I'm calling it now. You're welcome. Just when we think we've made it through. To Ryan's version of the 700 Club. Uh, <laughs> it's going to... Pastor, gonna be... brother, brother Ryan. Preach, <laughs> preach at me. It's all going to end. Spend your money now. Yeah, the IRS can't uh, tax you if you spend your money, right? Yeah, if the world ends, if the <laughs> IRS ends because the world ends, nothing matters anymore. And I become warlord of Arlington. The Wesley... Warlord of Greater Maryland. The Arlington Autonomous Zone. It's called... As. As. <laughs> no, I mean, Greater Maryland is Delaware, parts of, takes D.C., and then uh, parts of Virginia. And then, so, yeah, Greater Maryland. The FBI is listening. You realize that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not calling for I'm not calling for secession. I'm just saying, like you know, if the world ends, you know, there's it's, you know free reign to whatever. What you're doing right Let's... now is the classic Bond villain move of like I'm gonna <laughs> this person in an easily escapable situation, explain the entire plan in detail, and just leave. <laughs> but I mean, Lex, remember he is the one who has a large professional microphone set up, like just out there in his home by default. So oh God, it's pretty true. on brand. Yeah. Radio, uh, you're going to be the pirate radio station broadcasting the revolution. Go to four courts. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Natty Bo's the best. You're just hypnotizing Those people. Subversive messages. You're getting sleepy. Florida State to be good at football. Oh, God. But anyway. I said subversive, not sad. I just pathetic. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, anyway, we are getting down to the end. So uh, any final thoughts or points we want to make? Yeah, I mean, mine just real quickly would be... You have a quick there's one? A, there's a lot that we don't know about how this is going to play out. Shockingly, yes, I do have a quick one. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot that we don't know how this is going to play out, but I think it's just as important to watch the sort of bigger trends for what this is saying about the decision making and priorities of the leadership in Beijing writ large uh, as for how they're approaching Hong Kong specifically. There's there are bigger trends to monitor here, and that's something we all should care about. Yeah, and I, I would just add on to that, like it's with so many um, issues dominating the news cycle, and don't get me wrong, extremely important issues, um, 
it's it pays to work to continue to be informed, whether you're um, in a position in a position of you know power and influence, or just three guys hanging around bitching into a podcast microphone over beers um, <laughs> and nonsense. Yeah. Information is power. Yeah. Yeah, I mean definitely. That's what the Great Firewall is for. <laughs> God. Oof. Oof. But um yeah, I mean it's it's really it'll be interesting to see where things go, you know, if a actual full on plan comes out of like what, what the wall should look like or what the Chinese Hong Kong legislators will kind of decide on and like how long the protests will last. Because they were able to hold out for the extradition bill, so hopefully they can hold out for this. And it isn't because like the, the it'll be like history changing events. I think it's just because of the, the the potential mass exodus of Hong Kong, and also just like Hong Kong losing its special status to the rest of the world. So like we're not gonna fucking deal with the PRC in this way. And Taiwan being like, we're never gonna re- reunify. Come and get us. Right. Oh, and then let's see when they decide they're going to try that. God, hopefully it's not 2020. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully we have a new president next year and that won't happen. Which, which 2020? Remember the time vortices. Third generation 2020. Yeah. <laughs> All right. After the murder hornets have their... Uh, second round after they've discovered technology can i say that just such a, that was like such a letdown thing like it got brought up and everyone freaked out and it was like oh this is nothing well, well maybe remember, that's what the murder hornets want you to think ryan did you ever think of that they're in remember chat the, remember they're in the, all the dirty hornets, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was i was about to go there like remember that the murder hornets got to the west coast first so we could see a a murder hornet takeover of the the weird Paris Commune uh, uh, redux uh, there in there in Washington. The Pacific so. Northwest is so fucked. It's if it's not massive, like civilization-ending earthquakes or volcanic eruptions. It's um, Ted or not Ted Bundy, but the Bundy Boys <laughs> and the uh, Boogaloo Boys facing off against um, you know the aftermath of a fish concert. Uh, <laughs> occupies the <laughs> I was wondering where you were going to go matcha, with that. It's like, with, okay, yeah. Matcha lattes and, and arrogance. Don't forget the Mad Max warlords involved there now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This yeah. random SoundCloud, the SoundCloud rapper who Fox News is now saying is like the commandante of Seattle. Go ahead, go but, ahead Rob. But who wins in the uh, round of individual combat between one of those warlords? And the leader of a murder hornet hive. That's that's when what the people want to see. they kill each other, Rob, we all win. That's who wins. I mean, but I mean, eventually the. You, if you think this story has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it won't matter when the military goes and put down the rebels in Chaz, because uh, it's all they are trying to secede Even from the Chaz. union. <laughs> I still can't take that seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing happening. It. It's a thing happening. But anyway. That was almost diplomatic. Thanks, guys. Was Cheers. it? <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. <laughs>